Hi, and welcome to A Couple of Average Joes. I'm Mike. And I'm Joe. And this is the Movie Review Show. God damn, that sounds like uh, I'm talking into a can. <laughs> it does. When a crime novelist dies just after his 85th birthday, an inquisitive detective arrives at his estate to investigate. He soon sifts through a web of red herrings and self-serving lies to uncover the truth behind the writer's untimely demise. Directed by Star Wars The Last Jedi's Ryan Johnson. Starring Daniel Craig, Chris Evans, Anna DeArmas, Jamie Lee Curtis, Michael Shannon, Don Johnson, Tony Collette, Lakeith Stanfield, Catherine Langford, Young Sutteringville, Jaden Martell, and Christopher Plummer. And this is our review of Knives Out. I do want to bring up something before we even get into the full-on review. <clears throat> At the end of the movie, Jamie Lee Curtis is reading that note from her mother, from her father. Yes. And then it cuts away to something, and it cuts back, and it shows Don Johnson, Michael Shannon, and Tony Collette all turning to look up at her with the with the mug yeah the coffee mug yeah and when you see Don Johnson turn around he has a big red mark on his eye oh yeah from being punched in the eye but they cut it out and they didn't go in post and fix it yeah I did I I'm glad you noticed that I, he did have a red holy shit I did notice that I just I totally I I forgot about it I wanted to bring that up before we even yeah. we even got into it in case I forgot about it yeah and uh, so <laughs> there we funny. go all right so of course. Me not being a, a full-on fan of The Last Jedi. I didn't hate the movie, of course, and I'm not going to go into a review on the film or anything like that. But when I see anything with Ryan Johnson's name on it because of The Last Jedi's treatment, I have reservations. I mean... But you like Looper. Oh, yeah. And, that, and that's the other thing. Because when yeah, I went back and look at this filmography, I still haven't seen Brick. I think that's been on my queue for forever. I need to watch it. That's like the first movie he did. Brick Shithouse. Every movie he's made, he's written and directed. Which he doesn't have a huge list of films he's made, but they've all been critically acclaimed. But he also did um, like three episodes of Breaking Bad, and they were all excellent episodes. And apparently he wants to do an episode of The Mandalorian. That, you know what? I, and I, yeah, I think that'll be fine. I, I just, and I, I'm glad that he went on to do something like this because he's good. He's a very good director. He's a good writer too. I mean, I could see his his quote unquote vision for, for The Last Jedi. I just didn't agree with it for the most part. And I just, I was not on board for, for how it turned out. And thank God he's not doing episode nine. So even with the Breaking Bad and Looper being a, a, a underrated film, I mean, no one talks about Looper anymore. That's a good sci-fi movie. It's a forgettable sci-fi movie. I mean, it's good, but it's it's to me, it's forgettable. I think it's because it's the third act. Is slow, it slowed things down way too much. Yeah, I being mean, on the farm. Joseph Gordon-Levitt was really good. Yeah, and I agree. I think that whole uh, the whole third part is meh. That's probably what it was because it starts. The first two acts are excellent. It's like fucking, you know. Let's let's uh, let's put a boring version of Cujo. You know what into they, the movie remind me of? Straight up Universal Soldier because <laughs> Universal Soldier. The first two parts of of Universal Soldier were excellent. I, I remember loving it, and then the third act is just him on the farm trying to recuperate, and then final battle with Dolph Lundgren. It's like Rambo, Last Blood. Yeah. So anyway, with Knives Out, when I saw the trailer and I'm like, oh, this looks excellent. But then it said directed by Ryan Johnson. I'm like, oh, shit. Because <laughs> I know it's just based off of one movie, but still, I, I, 
You know? Last Jedi wasn't a bad movie. I know, it just, it, yeah, I mean, then the guy can direct. I mean, Bad Jedi, uh, the last, the last Jedi, the Bad Jedi, the bad Jedi. <laughs> who's the Bad Jedi? Is it that was Dooku? Ryan Johnson. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, it was it, the last Jedi does not suck. It's just anyway, yeah, problems. <laughs> I got a lot of problems with it anyway. But I'm also a fan, so uh, you're never gonna make me completely happy, right? Anyway, I, I I saw his name on there. I'm like, oh god, what's he gonna do? What's he gonna do in there to subvert and then piss me off or something <laughs> with knives out? But no, you know what? The dude is good. This is a good movie. This is entertaining. It's fun. Uh, I was hooked from the start. I mean, the first the first shot I believe of the film was it shows the dogs running from the house and there's no sound and they're running out of the open gate. Right. Right. And that was a, that was an intriguing shot. Like you're like, what does that mean? You know, like what is it? And the whole, I mean, the the best parts of this movie is the interviews. The interviews were great. You know, when when you have Lakeith Stanfield and then that other guy who's a huge mystery film buff guy, right? When you have them in- interrogating the whole family, and then you have uh, Daniel Craig sitting in the background, and every time he wanted them to move on, he would just hit one key on the piano, right? right? Ding, <laughs> right? That's like that was his tangent fucking uh, indicator. Ding. That's what I was thinking. I was just like, oh, he maybe someone's listening to the show. Yeah. <laughs> I was thinking that he was doing that to intimidate the the um, the interviewee, and. Um, I think that was part of it. And then so that they would get irritable and then they would do something out of, you know, they would, uh, you know, the true truth might come out that way. Right. This this is my version of it. I just watched that episode of the Simpsons that had that specific boo in it. That was, and I started laughing uncontrollably when I heard it. It's from either the, I think it's from the second season. Anyway. So the, 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 yeah, the funnest parts of the movie are the interviews right at the beginning of the movie when, when, uh, Don Johnson's being interviewed because he's smarmy, you know, but you could tell that he's, they're all he's full of shit. Yeah. They're all full of shit. Yeah. Right. And, and, and the entire interview process turns into them instead of what's going on. It's always yeah. a me, 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 me. Yeah. You know, with Tony Collette's character talking about her, her, uh, her, um, company, her, uh, makeup company. Yeah. Right. You know, she starts like, she starts. How she's an influencer on yeah, Instagram. Yeah. And, well, she's already selling it to them and shit. Right. Right. You know, and, and then, of course, you got Anna um, De Armos's character. She's being interviewed too, and that she was the best part of the of the interview because you didn't expect what was going to happen with yeah. her character. You have all of these people with fucking huge egos, yeah, except for the daughter. Yeah. And then- and Was her name Meg? Meg. I think her name was Meg. Shut up, Meg. You have her and you have, uh, I guess it's Diarmos. It was Meg. Yep. And you, so you have both of those characters that are pretty much without ego. Yeah. In terms of one is easily manipulated, the other one isn't. Yeah. And, and, and uh, I forgot what uh, uh, Diarmos's character's name was. Uh, Marta. Marta. Marta Cabrera. Yeah. Yeah, she's got Anna de Amoros has this cute thing going on. Like, like you know, her she sells her character so well. Like, like I, she was so good at, at at portraying innocence. You know that that I was like, okay, I would not be surprised if she could, turns out to be the bad guy in the entire film because of how much, how trusting her character was. You know. I, what I also liked about this movie is, besides all the misdirections here and there, is the fact that they pretty much, the murder is solved like not even halfway through the film. Like they already show how the murder happened. Right. Right. 
And the only thing I could think is either the murderer did happen this way or it's just a lie like the usual suspects, right? A, a lie within a lie. Yeah, right? But no, it's not. And it was good because then it's like, okay, well, where is this going to be going? It's like, oh, yeah. Who paid Daniel Craig's character to come investigate this shit? And, you know, who's blackmailing and all that other... So, okay. All right. Where is this going to go? Right? Because the murder's been solved technically for the audience. Yeah, it was It was fun. It was, it was fun just jumping back and forth through all these characters. You know, Michael Shannon. I love Michael Shannon in movies. He's great in everything he does. He's really good in this. Uh, I wish he would have had more time to, to, you know, chew up the scenery. But it seemed like it was more left for Daniel Craig's character. And even Christopher Plummer when he was in the few scenes that he was in. And I, I loved Christopher Plummer in this movie. He was great. Like, they made it look like in the trailers he was just going to be in, like, one scene and then he was dead. And instead, he has this huge chunk, you know, where you find out, you know, what happened to his character. And he was, I mean... Just great. I, I I love Christopher Plummer, man. I've lo- I think I've been a fan of Christopher Plummer since um since the Dragnet movie. <laughs> you know. All right. So anyone who hasn't seen the Dragnet movie, you got to go back to that movie. It's it's hilarious. Hopefully it, it stands the test of time for it. I thought it was interesting that Ricky Lindholm, who does Garfunkel and Oates, yeah, uh, was in this in this movie. She didn't get a lot of screen time. No, she did not. She barely was in the movie. But she was excellent in what she did. Frank Oz. Yeah, Frank Oz. We're sitting there like, is that fucking Frank Oz? Yeah. Yeah, it was yeah, that was that was a that was a surprise. I'm glad to see it. He I um I read about him because I just watched the Dark Crystal Resistance uh, show on Netflix, which I highly recommend. If you like the Dark Crystal, the show's even better than the original movie. I, I'm not kidding. It's it opens up everything so much more. You know, so I read about Frank Oz and oh, found out that like he got tired of doing Muppets and stuff like that because he wanted to go into acting and directing. He got tired of just doing voices and puppet work. And so if, he hasn't been doing a lot of acting, but um, he finally got, you know, like a role in this movie and he was great in it. He was a fun character. And Emmett Walsh. And Emmett yeah. Walsh, who we both thought was dead, he's still alive. I mean, he looked old as shit in 20 years ago when he did Wild Wild West, when he was the train operator. Yeah. Yeah, I mean that guy's still around kicking. That's awesome. I, that guy's got to be 120 years old. I think he's in his 80s. Yeah, 1935. So he's my grandma's age. Oh, if she was still alive, so he's like 84, 85. Yep, 84. Still, still a funny character, man. So he was, he was great. Yeah. in ordinary people. Yeah, and I, I, what I, you know, the 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 sets in the in the house in the mansion were great. You know, they were having fun. I like the little hidden, you know, window door, you know, passageway, and the and just you could see um without them explaining it, you could see all these um these statues and stuff that represented moments and characters from Christopher Plummer's books, right? You just knew that. Like if you were paying enough attention to it, you could see it. And so that was really cool to see all that stuff, you know, and the fact that this whole family is living there mooching off of all of it and not really contributing anything, you know, to it all. And uh, the uh, the look of the film, like I said, the mansion looked really cool. It reminded me of like when, when I saw Clue. Clue is my probably my favorite mystery movie of all time, mystery comedy. Uh-huh. of all time and you know these movies nowadays you don't I, I don't expect the mystery to be that good because they've already they probably already done it to death on on TV shows and stuff like that you know because every week there's another mystery with CSI or whatever right right so the fact that that Ryan Johnson can write something this original and stand out like this and be this entertaining 
is is it's a testament, man. The guy is good. The guy is good. I just don't want to see him do any more Star Wars stuff. <laughs> Jesus Christ, he's been in like a film a year for Emmett since 1969. Yeah, yeah, it's good, man. So yeah, I I like I said, I, you know what I forgot about was you know this movie it reminded me like look wise and acting wise. And suspense and all that stuff, it reminded me of Ready or Not, just without them trying to kill. You know what I mean? It was very similar to Ready or Not, just instead this was a murder mystery instead of a a hunt. And uh, that was cool to see two movies that are kind of similar in certain ways, and they're both good. They Neither one of them sucked. If I had to, if I had to pick, I would say, oh, that's a tough one. But I think Knives Out wins if you had to compare the two, because Ready or Not was also really good, though, too, and it was funny. This movie's funny, too, and there's hilarious moments that happen, and the payoff with it was was excellent. I love the payoff with it. You know, you don't know what's gonna, how it's going to end. When it ends, you don't know what direction it's going to go in. You just have an idea of how it's going to be, right? With her just standing there in a robe, and she's drinking out of Plumber's Cup, and, and she's standing on that balcony, and everyone just stares up at her like, what you going to do? You know, and then I mean, just and then the payoff with the, you know, I don't want to. I know we spoil shit, but should I give it away? All right, I'm, 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 I'm tainted by all of the mystery movies I've seen in my life. That there's certain things I catch on to, and I caught on that Chris Evans was the main perpetrator in the film because there was little things he was doing that were like self-serving in a way that he was being too nice here and and then not there, and it just I could tell that there was something, and then then I was sold, and then I knew it was him when she was trying to get away and her car wouldn't start and then oh magically he pulls up right next to her and then she gets in the car with him i'm like oh yeah he's this is this is all he's setting this shit up and then so from that point on i knew it was him and then you come to reveal it was which is cool because you know the fact that his name is hugh and this movie is a whodunit so then you know and they had that one girl who was dying who got poisoned and she's saying you know everyone thought she said you done it you did it and she didn't she said she said hugh did it Right. right And that was great. That was a little, you know, play on words and shit. My favorite character in the movie, of course, is Daniel Craig. I don't think anyone in the, anyone who likes this movie could say otherwise. Daniel Craig is the best character in the movie because he starts off very subtle and then he just builds up this momentum in just audacity for his character and becomes more over the top. And then by the time he just breaks the whole thing down at the end of the film, he, it's just hilarious. You know, he just he runs away with the character and and but it's still contained. You know what I mean? It's still fun. It's not like uh, Nicholas cage and vampires kiss or anything over the top it's just you can tell that he's really enjoying this character just like his character in logan lucky that he really enjoyed playing you could tell he loved that role same thing this time around you know different character but southern drawl and having a great time with it i wouldn't doubt if uh daniel craig's character gets um some award recognition you know hopefully maybe he gets some before the for this role because it was definitely fun uh i i don't think i have anything else to say i like the whole cast you know i like everything about this movie i can't it's hard to think of any negatives and I actually I don't even want to think of any negatives for the movie I don't I like it I like it and the fact that they're going to do a sequel or they you know they were planning on doing a sequel he, he wants to yeah. but there's nothing yet yeah and the movie's nothing a hit so. the movie's um, you know it's not look it's not competing with Frozen but it's making good money it's making money like we I was hoping that uh, Dr. Sleep would be making so uh, the movie's going to uh, turn a profit so it's believable that there is going to be a sequel to this film. And I'd like to see more Daniel Craig's character, you know? Yeah. I mean, why couldn't he do something like this with Jedi, you know? Yeah. yeah. Instead, I I don't know what the hell happened. Let's just say that he, (laughs) anomaly, right? (laughs) Yeah. 
Yeah, and, and yeah, I, I just and it's just weird. It's just weird to to see a movie that I'm so disappointed by, but I'm also I'm I also liked it. So yeah, R- Ryan Johnson. Look, regardless yeah, of that, that, regardless of that little faux pas there, little, <laughs> I still I still like him as a director, despite that billion dollar faux pas. Yeah, you know, because that fucking movie made fucking billion dollars, almost yeah, a billion dollars, that one point three billion dollar faux pas. Jesus. <laughs> so regardless of that, this movie is is fantastic in the fact that you have this ensemble cast of characters. Yeah. Jamie Lee Curtis, Don Johnson, of, of Daniel Craig, Michael Chris Shannon, Evans. Lakeith, uh, Lakeith Stanfield. Yeah. You have, well, I, I'm not going to put him up in the upper echelon like yeah, yeah. Daniel Craig's, but he's an up and coming. Right? Yeah, he held his own. That's what I liked about his character. Well, he was fantastic in it because he... The two the two detectives reminded me of you and me. Uh-huh. So you have the guy that's all hyper excited about, oh, dude, that's, I'm a big fan. And, yeah. and then you have the keys to Stanfield that's sitting there p- pinching his, you know, the bridge of his nose like, oh, here we go again. <laughs> and I, I love that. I love that dynamic play yeah. because one was overly excited mm-hmm. and the other one was just relaxed. You know, he, he, I mean, he wasn't, he wasn't yelling or screaming or anything else like that. He was just pragmatic about shit. Right. Yeah. And then you have Daniel Craig, who is, uh, it, it's, it's the three thing, right? The, the, the counter opposites and then the third party type of thing. Yeah. So you have Daniel Craig as the, the man in the middle, if you want to call it, or the conscience in the middle. So you have right brain, you have left brain, and then right? The extreme. Well, no, no, no. You have right brain, you have left brain, and then you, you so you have pragmatic, uh-huh. and you have creative, and then you have logical. Yeah. Okay. So you have those three parts of the brain working, right? Which is amazing that they that they do it like that. And then when you and then the logical brain slowly starts to take over. Yeah. So now now as as you're watching the film, you still have the pragmatic brain coming in and talking to the logical side, mm-hmm. and then the overly excited guy kind of stays away, but once in a while gets involved, but not too too much, right? Yeah. He's there to to be a gopher to shuffle in and shuffle out. Yeah. And make and make the weird comments that 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 weird thought that goes through your mind like maybe i should whip my dick out you know yeah and and that's what i love about what's going on in this whole thing that to me that's what it seems like yeah when when you're watching this because it's it's basically all inside the house and like i said you have left brain right brain and logical brain going on all at once and and they are fighting it out with the rest of the organs of the body, if you want to call it that, mm-hmm. you know. And you have you have uh, uh, um, Christopher Plummer's character who knew he wasn't dying, yeah, but wanted, but was going to. He was going. He wanted an excuse, anyways, yeah, to get out of this situation. And that's what he wanted to talk to Michael Shannon about. Is that I think that I need to go type of thing. I think yeah. I'm just going to go away, retire, or whatever. Yeah, and and I think that's what everything was was leading towards is I'm going to retire. And in, in the case of my death, my death. Yeah. In the case of my death, she's going to get it all. Yeah. Yeah. Marta. Marta. I was going to say Matilda, but it's not with Matilda. <laughs> Marta's going to get it all and you guys can go fuck off your yeah. own directions, right? But, um, and, and, and Jamie Lee Curtis's character is, is fantastic because she's basically the matriarch. She's the one that makes all the rules. She's she's the the inheritor of yeah. the, not wealth. She's the inheritor of the name. She seems to be like, she feels entitled to it because she's the most stable out of everyone there. Right. But I'm not talking about money. I'm talking about name. 
Mm-hmm. She's she's the inheritor of the name. Yeah. She's the patriarch, after, even though great-grandma's still alive. And, and Kay Callan was fantastic. Yeah, and she's younger than Christopher Plummer in real life, which is funny. Yeah, and she's just sitting there. She was in, she played, um, 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 uh, Martha Kent in in the Adventures of Superman, Smallville. Okay, I never, yeah, I never watched it. So I didn't, I didn't, I didn't watch it much either. When when you see everybody working in tandem, and Daniel Craig's character being the glue that holds everything together, and the way that I mean, he's not a ruffian. He sits there like when he's dealing with Callan, you know, the great grandmother. He's yep. like, I'll just, I'm just glad to sit here in <laughs> silence until you're ready to talk. Yep, type of thing. And then he, just that smooth criminal, right? Mm-hmm. He's just a smooth guy. Everything about this movie works in so many levels, and everything about this movie is. So good, you know. I mean, it's it. This is a recommended movie. Yes. Is it a top ten? Yes, absolutely. This is one of my top tens. Okay. As far as a movie that Ryan Johnson directed and everything else, I was willing to give him another chance. I'm willing to give everybody a second chance. Yeah. Unlike Adam Sandler. No, I gave Adam Sandler multiple chances, <laughs> and then he comes out and makes that fucking movie, Gems, whatever he calls it. Yeah. I always forget. Was- and you know what? I'm just going to say this right now. Go fuck yourself, Adam Sandler, for making a movie that I said years ago you should have made. Yeah. And you would have turned me and I would have been okay with the uh, inglorious assholes that you made or the- the Ridiculous six. Retarded 18 or whatever fucking Netflix bullshit you made. You had to go around and make two goddamn good series, two good movies about shysters, Jewish shysters. And I've never seen him and never will. Eat my ass. <laughs> I, I, you know what? I cannot bl- blame you. Yeah. Uncut Gems is the name of the movie. Yeah. I, I do want to see Uncut Gems. And since I didn't make that vow. Yeah. Well, if, you, you if can I, go see it by yourself. Yeah. If I, yeah so I, I'll, I'll, I can do that. And then and you, you, you'll end up, if it's for free on TV, you might watch it, right? Nope. No. Oh, shit. Okay. I told you I'm not watching any Adam Sandler movies. I I, when they're on upstairs, yeah. I don't stay around to watch them. Like little, little Nicky or whatever. I'm out. Really? Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, I'll yeah. If it's uh, available one week, and and I'll, I'm gonna watch the movie. I'll, I'll try to see it in theaters if I can. But if not, then I'll just yeah. Because I don't even think it's available where we live anyway. How do you get screeners? Well, here we go. Here's the answer. Just to finalize the podcast. All right. From Pathios. How can I get screeners? I get that asked a lot. And given that in the great chain of important film critics descending from Ebert on, I rank pretty low. I can only imagine how frequently other critics get hit up for tips about how to get free movies, either that or furtive requests that maybe, you know, when you're done with it. Consider this then a public service announcement. I won't say this. On behalf of movie critics everywhere, because who knows, maybe the guy at your local paper will gladly hand over his complimentary copy of Pitch Perfect 2 after he's duly considered Rebel Wilson for best actress in a supporting role, but it's on my behalf. First, it never hurts to define our terms. A screener is a copy of a film provided to a film journalist in hopes that he or she will review it or consider voting for it for awards given by a group in which he or she is a member. Screeners are different from screenings, the latter are private theatrical showings of a movie. The first step towards receiving screeners or invitations to screenings is accreditation. Most studios do not have the time or inclination to vet every single critic individually. They will hire marketing firms or publicists to arrange local screenings for critics critics or vet screeners for uh, requests for screeners. These companies usually have criteria for whether or not to accredit a journalist, though they may vary by region. Accreditation can be affected by one's outlet where one's reviews or essays appear. Do you write for a magazine, paper, 
or your own blog, you should be able to provide circulation numbers for analytics or internet publications. How many people read your inner reviews? How frequently do you publish? You know, do you write one 400-word review a month? Blah, blah, blah. Accredited or not, far and away the most common way to receive a screener is to ask for it. Many critics long for the days if they ever existed where a critic could show up at his newspaper where he had a full-time job and leave through the weekly releases that were sent over without asking. How often do publicists provide screeners? When you ask, again, it depends. How big is the movie? How big is your outlet? When approaching a publicist, be professional. Introduce yourself, state your request, and explain what coverage you are planning. For your consideration, screeners are a little different. They are sent to certified members of organizations that have been vetted by publicists. The most obvious way of receiving FYC screeners is joining a critics group or association that receives them. Film festivals can be helpful places to build your contact lists. Publicists, finally, please don't ask if you can borrow my screener. Look, I like you and I'm sure you're a nice person, but lending a screener is a little like lending the company car or credit cards to someone who doesn't work for your company. Yes, if the film is ripped and shows up in Pirate's Cove or something, the studio can trace it back to who had it last. Point taken. Mm -hmm. I know people that do that. All right. So that's how you get a screener. Ask for it by name. All right. So. Or become a critic or whatever. All right. Knives out. Go see it. Bye.